Lord, thank you for Marlon. He's been such an amazing, amazing guy and has really walked through some, some awesome moments and some less than awesome moments. But, Lord, you've, you've preserved him. Lord, I thank you, uh, Galatians 2.20, uh, Christ in me. It's no longer I but Christ. I thank you that Marlon is a good, a good picture of that. And so I bless him today. Amen. 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 No pressure, right? Just a little. Well, I'm just going to pray that uh, the Holy Spirit keep on flowing, you know, that there is no drop off. You know, just keep on navigating as the river comes. Amen. So if this is the first time you're hearing me speak, Lord bless you. I do have some angels that like interpreting for me on my behalf. So, and I promise you, all the words are really fully English. So, I must nick something there every now and then. But uh, anyway, let me pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. Thank you for this morning, for your awesome, sweet presence, Father. What a privilege. What an honor, Father, to be called your children. That you bless us with your love, your mercy, your grace. And that on a daily basis, Father, you bless us with your presence. That you keep your promise saying that you never leave us nor forsake us. And we thank you for touching us this morning. We just say keep on, keeping on, Father. We want more. We want more of your spirit, Father. We desire that. We're hungry for that, Father. Because we know that's the only thing that will change your lives and will change this world. And we all say it. Amen. <clears throat> now, Byron's been preaching the last many messages on the spirit of Elijah. And uh, it's interesting how the Lord does it. Because when, you know, I didn't know that he was going to do a series on that part. But the Lord was already speaking to me about the spirit of Elijah. And, uh, <clears throat> You know, and the way the Lord applied it to me was more of an, on a personal level. So if you can uh, walk me during this part and navigate this river, I got a few thoughts and a few revelations. Is that cool? Yeah. That I'm going to try to see by the grace of God if I can communicate it clearly. The best way I know how to. You know, um, but one thing that is interesting is... You know, because I come from, my background really is, you know, my dad was already gone by the time I was three years old. Or something like that, from what I hear. Okay. But I've never had any communication with him since that time. Like zero. He's not reached out. I don't even know exactly where he is. Now, if you are a person that has a father in their life, you will notice that fathers are such huge Important people, okay, in people's lives. And you cannot undermine or diminish the presence of a father in a home, okay, for a child, for a wife, and all that good stuff. So for me growing up, I grew up more of an, with an orphan spirit, okay, and it caused a lot of havoc in my life, man. I was a terror. I mean, I think after my mom experienced me, I think she decided she's not going to have any more. So she decided, I'm the only child she's going to have. She said, you are plenty. You know, you, you. <laughs> I was a rascal, man, for mercy, Lord. 
how blessed my mama. She, she worked hard. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, but one thing that looking back from now is seeing how God himself was still very involved in my life. Even before I knew his own son. And I remember, you know, I was, I was just like reflecting back on some of the, of the memories that I have. And I remember some influential people that I had in my life, like my granddad. You know, believe it or not, my, my granddad used to spank me, man. You know, granddads are not supposed to be doing that. <laughs> the granddads are supposed to be spoiling you. Not, 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 not telling you you need to go cut your own stick so you can receive due punishment. And you couldn't bring something flimsy, you know. Because <laughs> if you went and got it himself, you're in trouble, man. So I, I brought one that would justify the, uh, the offense. So, but, uh, and then I had uncles. They're very unfortunate. Even my uncle spanked me, man. But then I hated it. I absolutely hated it. Because you, you know, when you think about your uncles, that's not the image that you have in your head, Right? If you have uncles in your life. But the thing is this. They took the place that my father should rightfully had anyways. So the Lord just filled out those little spaces as I went on. Okay. So to fast forward a little bit. You know. To. uh, To when I came to the United States. Actually before I came to the United States. I was 15 when I met the Lord. Okay, and that was actually a pretty interesting experience. Okay, I'd goofed up big time, so big that the family I was actually living with was, you know, with one of my uncles. You know, I remember my aunt saying, "You know, I don't think anybody else can help you, man. You you just got on the point where you just on the other side. Okay, nobody on earth can more in this. Nobody on this earth can really help you. Who?" The person that can actually really help you is Jesus. And actually, that scared me. Not because it was Jesus, but it scared me that nobody else could help me. The hopelessness that sought in my heart sunk in deep of realizing it's almost like you're being abandoned without somebody really saying that directly to you. Okay? So, I remember going to church that Sunday. It was called uh, Nairobi Pentecostal Church. It was a Pentecostal church. The spoken tongues. I remember listening to my mom speaking tongues. And I thought she was crazy when I was a little kid. I was like, what is this lady talking about, man? She's like rumbling over here, shot da ba ta something, something, something. You know, when you're a little kid, that's just weird because you don't <laughs> you don't quite get it. You know, so that church it was a church my mom attended. So it's the same church that I went to. And I remember okay, had a balcony. You know, Pentecostal churches seem to have balconies, I think. So I had a balcony. So I made sure I was way up there in the nosebleed seats, okay? I was nowhere near close to the altar. And I remember there was this guest speaker that came. He was a missionary guy. He preached one of the most powerful gospels messages I've had. And I was so tagged in my heart that, I, you know, he, when he gave the invitation, I was like, I got to go. I got to go down there because nobody else can help me. So I'm going to try Jesus, right? So I'm walking down these this stairs, you know. I mean, it's far. Okay, you know, on your way down, you having several thoughts. Everybody's looking at me. You know what I mean? They were, they're thinking, man, this guy, I thought this kid was saved. 
Man, look at that hero. Look at that hypocrite, man. Gosh, these kids, man. You know what I mean? So you're hearing all these voices coming all the way down. And I remember this one voice distinctively saying this. If you don't want to receive all that criticism, you can just do one simple thing. There's an exit door right there. You can walk out that door and all this will end. And then there was another voice that said, if you actually walk the rest of the way down, I promise you, this will be worth it for your life. So, so here I am. Get, I get next to that door. I'm looking at it. And the temptation is so strong to walk out that door, man. But thank God for his grace. Only his grace brought me to that altar where I was able to receive the Lord himself. And uh, from that point on, okay, I always called that, you know what I mean, when I hear the Lord, I always call, call him the voice. Because I didn't know much. I was really, I mean, I was just a new Christian. There was no discipleship thing that, that I was involved in. But I remember hearing his voice very clearly all the way throughout. And uh, so fast forward come to the United States, you know, and when I came to the United States, I was uh, 17. Yes, 17, just turned 17. And, uh, but that time I was not even really tracking with the Lord. Okay, I could still hear the voice, but I was not fully committed. I was just halfway in, halfway out. And I remember I used to pray the same prayer every night. It was the most honest prayer that I could pray at the time. It was like, well, Jesus, you know, um, the truth is that I messed up, and I'm really sorry. I, I'll do it again tomorrow. So I'm asking you forgive me ahead of time for what I'll do tomorrow. <laughs> so, so I pray that same prayer night after night. At the end of the day, I'll be like, man, that was a terrible day, man. So, um, so fast forward a little bit. So just stay with me on this one. So fast forward a little bit. Um, I'm at the crossroads in game of life. Just graduated college. have no idea what I'm going to do. I have no plan. I have this degree. I don't know what to do with it. Okay? And even through a college, that degree that I got, I wasn't sure. I mean, I wouldn't even want it. Okay? I didn't want it. Because by the time I was a junior, I decided I think I want to do something different. But by that time, it was too late. My counselor said, listen, you only have a year left. If you try to backtrack, you, you're going to add another four years. I was like, oh, I'm good. I'll just finish what I got. I'll just do something with it. So, so I remember being so desperate, sitting in this car dealership, okay, because I was selling cars. And I'd sold cars up to that point for three months. And I remember being so frustrated because if you – know of any car sales people, okay? You, it's full commission that you make, okay? And some dealerships give you something called a draw, meaning this, they advance you some money, so whenever you sell cars, whatever amount that they advanced you, they take it back. There's no minus it from your commission. So many, if you made $1,000 worth of commission and they give you $1,000 advance, guess what? You get zero money in your check. <laughs> it was a terrible way, man. And I remember being so frustrated, and it wasn't even that much money. So, it's interesting how God himself brings you to the end of yourself. Brings you to a place you're so cornered that you don't have another way of getting out of it. Unless he shows up. Okay. And so, I'm sitting in this car dealership the next day. 
And I got so frustrated. I remember looking at the general manager. And without even saying a word, I just walked out. Because I just, because, I mean, it was full of lies in the car dealership. I mean, the things that they did, I could tell you stories, but I don't have enough time for that. But it was just terrible. So I remember walking out, and I'm sitting there at home, and I'm trying to figure out now what next. Okay. And I remember my mom coming in and said, why are you not at work? I said, well, I just, I just walked out. I can't, sell it. I can't sell those cars anymore. And she said, I told you that. I told you you needed to find something different. I'm like, I know. I know, but. So, so she said, why don't you try to apply for a temp agency job? So, which I did. Got it. They hired me right away. Got a first assignment. That assignment was supposed to last only for six weeks. Ended up being six months. Okay, now I'm wondering, each time, after the six weeks, I remember each time coming to have the boss sign the check, I mean the uh, time card, and I remember him thinking, this might be the last time that he might sign it, because he knows I'm not doing anything. My six weeks have been up, I'm not really doing anything for this company, but he kept on signing my checks for six, for six more months. And, uh, and finally, there was his secretary that was in that place to say, listen, how about you do this? Since you worked here for all, over six months now, why don't you just apply and just work for the company? I said, oh, great idea. I mean, I was trying to figure out what that thought even entered my mind in the first place. So I go ahead, apply, they give me the job, I started working for them. All along, this is God setting me up. Okay? All along, this is God setting me up. So I ended up meeting her, I met, I met this lady. She actually reminded me of Debbie Greathead. Okay. And I remember the first conversation that she had with me was, hey, um, you know, I, I get this feeling that you're Christian. And I'm looking at her like, you don't even know me. I'm like, yeah. I said, uh, when was the last time you were at church? I said, oh, it's been, it's been a whole long time, like maybe five or six years. And she goes, well, you know, I'm just really sensing there's such a love that God has for you. And she just started pouring out over time. And then she ended up, so she eased me into it, okay? And then she ended up inviting me to her church. She said, my church is in D.C., so here's the address if you want to come. So uh, then they didn't have any GPS, right? So, and if you've driven through D.C. before, it's a one-way maze. <laughs> like, for real, <laughs> So I got lost, couldn't find the church, got frustrated, said, I think I'm going to go back home. On my way home, that same voice that I had when I was 15 said, why don't you go to the church that your mom goes to? And I've been there before, but I never stayed. So I said, okay, I'm going to go. So I went, sitting there at the pew. I mean, actually, it was like a movie theater kind of church, like they have those theater seats. And I saw way at the back. And again, it was a guest preacher, a missionary guy that got up there. But this time he was preaching about the Holy Spirit. Okay, And while he was preaching about the Holy Spirit, I was literally vibrating on my seat the whole entire time. Sweating. I mean, they have the air conditioner on. Sweating. People kind of look at me and be like, you okay, man? I'm like, I, I, I couldn't even get any words out. Just vibrating, bouncing through, you know. Finally, I could not wait for the guy to just say, let me stop talking. And just invite me to come up there and receive the Holy Spirit. Like, because I started vibrating. Started being embarrassed. I was like, this is enough for me. I can't stop sweating. So as soon as I said that, I kidding. It felt like someone would pick me up and threw me to the very front. 
And I'm standing next in front of these guys. And the guy goes, young man, you want to receive the Holy Spirit? He said, I said, yes, sir. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. It felt like fire. Like literally. Electricity and fire. Going up and down, up and down, up and down. And from that time forward, my life has never been the same. Ever. Everything shifted. Now, you wonder why I'm giving you that story, right? And why I was talking about the spirit of Elijah in the beginning. When Byron was preaching about the series about Elijah. Here's something that I want to present to you. Okay? Just hear me out on this one. Just something I want to present to you. See, during that, during that moment when I was being baptized in Holy Spirit, it was the first time in my whole entire life that I ever felt a love of a father. First time. And I remember thinking about it going, what is actually going on? You see, you don't, you don't realize how much an orphan you are until the light of God shades that in your life and he invades that part of your life. And then you're fully aware how absolutely lonely you are, how absolutely often you are. And from that day forward, it's never been the same. Okay? So, I'm going to fast forward a little bit here because of, of the time. So, while, while I was thinking through some of the things the Lord was speaking to me about, by the spirit of Elijah. One of the things that he brought up was you can never underestimate the presence and the influence of a father in somebody's life or even your own life. And uh, I remember, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. I remember coming to River Life here and Byron started um, having this revelation about the father. And I remember sitting in his house, they had this book. I don't know if you guys still have that book. But I had this book. And I remember that's the first time what I got when I was 20-something by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I fully understood as the Father's heart, as the Father himself that came at that moment and introduced himself. I'm getting somewhere. <laughs> I'm getting somewhere. It's <laughs> Lord help me, Lord help me. Oh Jesus help me. I'm I feel so intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. I'm trying I I was telling by I was like, I'm trying to hold it together. Say, oh Lord, you gotta help my words come out. So, see, what I've been so privileged with is this. Since that time, and since understanding that revelation, the Father showed me over and over again how many times he's brought spiritual fathers in my life. Okay? Just the same way, back home in Kenya, they have a dad. But my granddad my uncles assumed that role. See, the Father is always really interested not only introducing himself, but staying involved in your life throughout. It's not a one-time deal and then he's going to then figure it out. 
He's committed to actually will he stay. Now, you got to understand from which part I'm coming from. The part that I'm coming from is I have somebody that's left my life anyways with zero contact. So even having that revelation, it's pretty abnormal for me. It has to take an act of God to absolutely erase that void and fill it with something else. Okay. It has to be. So I'm standing here as a testimony for you to understand that part. That even if you have a father in your own life, even then, there's still an understanding that your father who's there is not full or perfection yet. But yet, God the Father put him there as an example. Okay, just the same way Adam came as the first man. So Jesus came as the second Adam. Same way you have your biological father here. That is a representation of the real deal. Because there is a real deal. And I experienced that real deal. Okay. I'll just leave it there for a little bit. Lord help me. See when you look at. Uh, I'm going to go. Let's do Malachi. When you look at Malachi. Starting from. Chapter 4, something from verse 5. You know, you hear God saying this, okay? And I'm saying this is God the Father saying, Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Otherwise, I'll come and strike the land with a curse. Me not having a father in my life from the beginning then actually brought a curse in my life. Okay, I'll expand on it a little bit. The importance of you having a father in your life is such a big deal that it robs you as a child of a blessing. Of a promise. So when God says I'm going to send this person ahead to prepare something and turn the father's hearts. Meaning wherever where there is a broken relationship of that part. That that may be mended. That that may be restored. And if it's not restored, then there will be a curse that is released. And when you look at our nation right now, you can see some of that. Okay? You can see some of that evident. You, even without look at the nation, if you look at homes, homes where dad is not present, you actually see something different about the kids. You see something different about the atmosphere of the house. Okay? To me, when I look at it, I look at it as a curse. Where you see a child that is not in discipline... When you see a child that does, does not understand what it means to be under authority, all that is a curse to begin with. Meaning that that child got robbed of a blessing and a promise that was duly theirs, that belonged to them. Mm. Mm. So when you look at Ephesians, okay, here's what it says in Ephesians 6, starting from verse 1 through 3. It says, children, obey your parents because... You belong to the Lord. 
for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise or blessing. And it says, if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. And you will have a long life on the earth. That's a blessing. Mm. Jesus, help me. You can actually see this in Genesis when Adam and Eve fell. Because God was a father to them. When they walked in disobedience, what happened? A curse came, not only on them, but came upon the land itself. And it says, For you, old man, you shall toil, you shall dig the hard ground. That's a curse, because that was not meant to be that way. Same thing with Eve, that your childbearing will be painful. That's a curse. There is nothing good about that part. So you can see that that part of you actually obeying God the Father himself brings such a huge blessing to your life that is a really big deal. Because when I look at my own life and all the trouble that I've been through, I realize I've been robbed, Lord. Like really. But you see, it's interesting how the Holy Spirit does. Right? He, he will always make you face the truth and the reality of it before he actually heals you. I had some truth about it. I had some truth that it was a loss before I can give full restoration so that I'm not walking in denial of a false hope. The Father's offering me a true hope. But if you notice, even in that fall, God never stopped becoming a father. Did you notice that? He never did. Even though a curse was released on his children, there was still a plan that he had. And he gave that promise to them. saying there will be a seed that will come from you. And this seed will, I don't have enough time to go into it, but that seed will crash. Mm. Anyways, Lord help me. I don't have enough time to go into it. You absolutely destroy the works of the enemy. This seed that's in you will do that part. And you see, again, okay, let's look at Luke 117. And he goes on and says, he will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. Who will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. Who will turn the hearts of the Father to their children. And who will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. I mean, that's scripture in itself. How could you stop there and I'll be like. So if you notice. That plan that the Father had. Starts being implemented by sending forth the spirit of Elijah the spirit that came upon John the Baptist was the spirit of Elijah and he came to declare that the kingdom of God was at hand 
And he was saying, repent, like change, because there's something new that is at hand here. And he was preparing for the main seed to come through. The one who was actually going to make us sons and daughters of the living God himself. I'll let that sink in for a little bit. Because you can see that work beginning with a lot, I mean, beginning with John the Baptist. And even when John the Baptist is no longer present, you notice Jesus himself carrying the same spirit going forth, doing the Father's work. And all of a sudden, you start seeing certain things start making sense when you say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I've come to show you the Father. I mean, he goes on and on, scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture, saying this is who the Father is. This is who the Father is. This is what he looks like. This is what he does. This is what he wants to do. And it's a continuous outpouring. A continuous outpouring. And you can see this in 2 Corinthians, starting from verse 5 and 19. It says, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. That's proof evidence that Paul tapped into something. He saw with clear vision that that spirit of Elijah was fully operational in Christ himself. Reconciling and changing the father's hearts to the children and the children back to their fathers. Restoration. Of the Father's presence again. In the lives of his own children. That will come to know him through Jesus Christ himself. You see that spirit fully at work and fully operational. Drawing people back in. Bringing restoration. And I realized in my own life how the Father himself had sent that same spirit to bring reconciliation in my heart between me and him through Christ. That once again, my relationship with my father may absolutely be reestablished. I'm sorry I'm not able to communicate it completely clearly. See, it's important. So, it's not like necessary that we're waiting for the Spirit of Elijah to come. The fact that you said yes to Jesus, you're already being commissioned. And that Spirit is already alive in you. It's the same Spirit that says, cry out, Abba, Father. Same Spirit. Same Spirit. That goes forth, reconciling things in your own life. And bringing back the same promise and blessing that the Father already had from the beginning for us. You see, that reveals the Father's heart in such a profound way. That you realize that he keeps on chasing us. And he keeps on chasing us. And he never gives up. And he's always, always desiring to be very involved in our lives. That he will do such a thing. That he will plan it from the beginning. And he'll say, I'm going to send the spirit of Elijah. If you notice when Elijah was alive in Israel, 
the things that he did really revealed the father's heart. Because when he spoke, there will never rain. That was a curse in Israel for three and a half years that it will never rain. But yet the father, through Elijah, established when he called fire down from heaven and destroyed the works of the enemy. If you notice, what did Israel do? They repented. And the blessings started flowing in their life again. The curse was broken. And blessings started flowing. From the Father. That's his intent. He desires that. He cries out. He craves that. That he will bless us. Now you got to understand. Again. From where I'm coming from. I've had a fear for myself for so long. That I don't even know how to receive. When you don't have a father in life. That's what you do. You try to make it. You know what I'm saying. You form this hard shell around you. That no matter what. I'm going to make it. Is it good? Yes. Is it bad on other levels? Yeah. Because what if the Father is sending you help, but you don't even know how to receive the help? See, in this church, the Father has privileged me to have so many spiritual fathers. I could name so many here. Stavon Mubarak and then Tommy over there. Then Tommy Grayhead. You know, Jerry. Jim. And here's the thing that I want to also say. The Spirit of Elijah is not just for the fathers. It's for the mothers. Because the lady that the Lord used to draw me back to the Lord was up. The, that spirit of Elijah was fully operating in that lady. Because it brought restoration. She saw something. She saw something and she went for it. She saw an orphan. She said, you have a father. I'm going to introduce you back to that same father that you ran away from. When you see the stories of Jesus with the prodigal son, you see the father's theme written all of it. That no matter how far you go, no matter how deep you fall, that father is so committed. I can say that for sure. He's so committed, he'll come and get you out of that pit. Gosh, Lord, help me. I'm almost done. (laughs) Oh, Lord. So this spirit of Elijah, if you notice, there's a wind blowing. Again, this should get us excited because that means the Father's on the move because it's starting to blow again. It's starting to stir. Because we have needed the stirring of that spirit once again to bring restoration that the curse may be broken. That the blessings may come. You see, that's what the Father's interested. Whatever it is, whatever drought you've been through, the Father is wanting to blow that spirit once again on you. That that restoration will start beginning to happen. That those blessings that are due yours will flow. Again. And again, and again, because the cost has been broken. Absolutely. I'm a witness to that. Being with my father and having that full realization of it, and I'm still learning. I've had so much blessing after blessing after blessing. Even in the midst of trial and trouble, 
they still been blessing after blessing after blessing that has come forth. Oh, Jesus. So what I'm submitting to you is this. The spirit of Elijah is the father's spirit that goes out to bring back his sons and daughters. And this is not all of them. This is not all of them. That's why Christ himself also said, as the father sent me, I am sending you. As the fathers love me, I love you. But that's, he said, even with that, that's short. Let me tell you, the father himself loves you. Because sometimes we just feel like, well, but he said, the father himself loves you. You can come to him and ask. This is how you should pray. My father, who is in? So personal. He didn't give us a religious thing. He didn't say you got to jump this hoops, this hoops, that hoop. It just said, simple play. My father who is in heaven. That's what he told the disciples to pray. So, 2 Corinthians 5.20. Say, so, we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. That's the commission that our Father has given us. Now that you know your Father, we can go get more sons and daughters that the Father is craving to come home. I'll finish with this part. I remember going to India the first time. It was baptism by fire. <laughs> it was me and Andy. And I remember crying out, man, what do I give, Lord? What do I do? Like, how do I? I you look at all these faces. It feels so inadequate. And the father says something really simple. Give them me. Tell them your experience about me. And when I did that, it was shocking to realize how many of those people that were Christians had no idea they had a father. And he broke so many things, including the girls. The girls were so subdued, they would not move for nothing because of all the religious craziness. They wouldn't move, like just stiff. But when the spirit of the father broke out in that place, the joy that erupted, they danced for hours. I mean, we danced so much, I was in pain for the next three weeks. <laughs> I kid you not. But the joy was released. The curse was broken off of them, and you could see the joy of the Lord. And they, even parents, like later, were sending these notes back to, the, to Papi Daniel saying, I've never seen anything like it. My child is upstairs dancing. My child is upstairs worshiping. I've never seen my child do such a thing. Like, they were so free, and they were getting so much revelation. That's the transforming power 
that is in the spirit of Elijah. The father's spirit. Amen. I just want to finish with that. So we're just going to stand to a fit. And let's... I hope this is all right. I'm going to do something a little strange here. Uh, I believe Marlon has got a really profound revelation that comes from the throne of God about the spirit of Elijah releasing the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. I believe God's given him a profound revelation through his life and through the scriptures. And we are in the midst of a time when there is a fatherless generation. There is a fatherless generation. And I believe that we're supposed to lay hands on Marlon and commission him to take that message to this generation. Much of the rebellion and riot that we see manifesting in our nation today is because the fathers have been removed from the homes. Through all kinds of mess. We don't need to get into that. But I believe the spirit of the father wants to be restored to those people. And I believe Marlon has a depth of revelation about this issue, and I want to commission him to take that message outside of the walls of this church to this generation. I think the Lord is going to open doors for you to do that. And this is really stepping out on this, and and call me back if if you're not 100% with it, but I would really like for for Byron and the elders to come up and lay hands on uh, Marlon to commission him to take this message to this generation. Because I really believe the Lord's invested it in you. He's anointed you to share it. It's real with you. It's real with you, Lord. We recognize that we've heard of the word of the Lord this morning. And we recognize that you've raised up this servant, Lord. That you call your beloved son, your well-loved son, and you're pleased with him. And we just recognize, we confirm by laying hands on him, Lord God. Refine this message. Let him be comfortable with it. Lord, let him bring healing. Let him cast out the orphan spirit to, in this generation and restore the heart of the father to the fatherless, Lord God. In Jesus' name and for Jesus' glory, Lord. Open doors for Marlon to take this message outside of the walls of this church and to this generation, Lord God. Put your words in his mouth. Put your spirit in his heart. Yes, Lord, release him, release him to bring healing to a generation in Jesus' name. Yeah, Marlon, the Lord just... Showed you a, a step forward about your future and about your calling today. So we just confirm that, affirm Him in it, Lord, releasing or into your into your destiny that you've put upon His life, Lord. To, Lord, to not only release the revelation, but to be a father Himself, Lord. We bless Him right now. We bless Him right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Woo, that's good, Lord. <laughs>